for listening you guys i realize it's not easy charlie the dog and i have to listen to these two jokers every day hey you guys what's going on it's episode number 240 now of the ron and don show what is up ron and don nation yeah thanks for stopping by listening to the ron and don show hitting subscribe sharing this with all your friends over a million listeners now of the ron and don show and the ron and don podcast and don't forget if you want to share this with a friend how do you do it yeah you can just uh on the podcast player of your choice you can hit that little up arrow on an iphone and share it on your social medias and if you have a specific episode just find that in your podcast player you can copy and paste anywhere online yeah hey coming up on the ron and don show we're going to talk about how during covid pet thefts are through the roof right now, and I relate to this because uh, actually before COVID, uh, one of our pets was stolen. We'll tell you about that. Also, world happiness. Each and every year, they do a study on world happiness, and this year, they did a study on world happiness during COVID. The results are going to shock you. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. On a personal note, a lot of you know that Ron and I have not only a personal but a professional relationship with Sheriff Ed Troyer uh, down in Pierce County. As a result of a Seattle Times article, now the Tacoma News Tribune, you've read about this going all the way back to the East Coast and the Washington Post, Ed finds himself in some hot water over an altercation with a paper boy. I'm not going to go and explain the whole entire story here, but if you want to read it, you can read about it in the Seattle Times. A lot of people have reached out to us, and they said, how do you feel about what you heard when in the middle of the night, Sheriff Ed Troyer called 911 and there was a conversation about this 26-year-old African-American paperboy. And Ed says very clearly on this 911 call that this young man threatened to kill him. In fact, he said this three times. As he's being interviewed by the Tacoma police, he then said, according to Tacoma police and the police report, uh, that Ed said that this didn't happen. As a result of this, uh, the Seattle Times has shared this story. Uh, They have found another story involving a 911 call when Sheriff uh, Ed Troyer was running for sheriff. In fact, he was coming out of his office late one evening, and he said there were two African-American men, puffy jackets. They had some personal items of him. There was some kind of his. There was some kind of altercation. Uh, Again, he called 911. They had cars come, and then uh, there was they, they didn't pursue these two young men that Ed had talked about. And also, we know that Sheriff Ed Troyer, before he was the sheriff, was the PIO of Pierce County. And there's some questions now about a young man that had died in police custody. uh, And Ed is the PIO. What did he say about this young man who had passed away in in police custody? And that happens to be something that I don't believe. Uh, There's a 911 call uh, concerning Ed. And I also don't believe... Uh, that there's a video. So with these things going on, with the Black Lives Matter movement happening, 
The thing that I've always appreciated about Ed, and I said this because he was in our studios, at our Les Schwab studios about a month ago. In fact, he took a picture with Charlie. We were here doing stuff for Special Olympics. Mary was here, uh, who's the head of Special Olympics. Uh, she's also Asian. We talked about the beginning of Asian hate crimes. This has seemed to really take off, uh, has taken off. And I have really enjoyed over the last decade, decade and a half, a personal friendship and a personal relationship with him. So a lot of you are asking, how do we feel about this? Are we going to condemn this? Are we going to condemn him? What side are you on? And, and, and this is... Sorry about that. Live podcast. We'll, do, we'll just leave that in. Uh, I think that was my son calling, so I have to call him back on a break. Anyway, so a lot of people wonder what, what we think about this. What's our stance? Because you know when it comes to the Black Lives Matter movement, I'm all about it. You also know when it comes to cops, I'm all about it. In fact, I think Ron and I have, have done a pretty good job of trying to stand in the middle. It's not all, it's nothing. It's not all, it's not uh, nothing. It's somewhere in the middle. We, we, we've tried to stand there as humans, um, professionally, and, and, and I think personally we've tried to stand there. I've reached out to Ed. The thing that I told him that I appreciated about him the last time he was on the podcast is, is that he always will step to a microphone. Always. He always will step to a microphone and he will tell us what he's thinking. In this particular case, I invited him to come on today. He said that he could not. Uh, we talked about some things that are off the record, so I'm not going to share those things. Uh, and it's not like he enlightened me. Uh, there are just a couple text messages that I told him were off the record. He said at some point uh, that he would talk, uh, but he said he can't right now. Uh, and as a result of that, I just don't have a lot of information outside of what I've read in the Tacoma News Tribune, just like you guys, or you've read in the Seattle Times or the Washington Post and the comment sections and, and all that. I will say I, I, we've done so many great things together, going all the way back to the Lakewood Four. And we've done so many great things, Toys for Tots over the years. Uh, we think of the Powell boys and going out and buying those burial plots for those two boys that were murdered by his father. And then they tried to bury the father next to the boys. And we bought those burial plots too. And, and that's because Ed let us know about it. And the Pierce County Sheriff's Department let us know about it. So we've always had this great relationship. I have to say, I'm a little shocked that he's not stepping to a microphone. I'm a little shocked that he's not talking to us because it's something that he has always done. I'm going to imagine that he has a good reason for that. I don't know what the reasons are. And there's a lot of people that are calling for his resignation right now. I'm not doing that because, and it's not that I wouldn't do that, even, even though he's my friend and I love him dearly. If he stepped over to the line with the kind of power that he has and the power position that he's in, uh, then I would do that. I would call for his resignation and still love him and still be his friend. And, 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 and this, I'm sure, has been a very, very difficult time for, for this young man and his family. I know it's a difficult time for the Pierce County Sheriff's Department. It's a difficult time for the community. I will say this. I will say this. It, it, it is being said in, in the police report that Ed did not identify himself as the sheriff. This young man did not identify himself as a paperboy. 
Ron and I delivered paper. We were paper boys for a long, long time. Something that was said that was a little off-putting to me, and, and it was reported that Ed said this, is that if, if this young man would have just calmly told me that he was the paper boy and delivering papers, then everything would have been fine. And I don't think that a young man who's not a paper boy is a man, a paper man, who's been doing this for six years in that neighborhood, and, and he's beloved in that neighborhood. His, his, his clients really love him and care about him. I don't think he should have to identify himself as a paper man or a paper boy because he is just a, a, a young guy that's out doing his job. And some would say Ed's out doing his, but I don't know. He's, he's not in an unmarked patrol car. He's not in a patrol car. He's, he's in his own vehicle. He's, he doesn't have a badge and a gun. He's not identifying himself. Something happened. It seemed that something escalated. He called 911, and the next thing you know, 40-plus uh, cars are coming from all agencies. So that's why this is so serious, you guys. Anyway, I'm not calling for Ed, Ed's resignation, and at the same time, I'm not saying that Ed's right. I'm not saying that this young man is right or wrong because I don't know. I think uh, it's interesting what they've done down in Pierce County is they are going to bring in some non-police people to investigate this. My understanding is Ed has invited this and welcomed this. And I think we'll find out more when when we get on the other side. Yeah, so uh, well stated. And, and just for my own disclaimer, I, I know Ed personally and his numbers in my cell phone. And we have done things socially uh, over the years and professionally over the years. So just the same as you. I, so I'm going to do break this into the categories where I see it. Number one, there's an old, I believe it's a Bible verse that says you judge a, a tree by its fruit and you can see whether it produces good fruit or bad fruit. So on that level, if we look at Ed and the things that he has done in the community over the years, from what my experience has been, tremendous amount of good fruit. So you raise some of them. Uh, you know, with the Toys for Tots, uh, helping out with the Powell Boys, police officers when they've been uh, injured in the in the line of duty, and that goes on and on and on. Even stuff like Airlift Japan, uh, we sent uh, Rachel Bell uh, to Joplin, Missouri, when there was a uh, are they not Cat Five something T five tornado that yep. devastated that town, mm-hmm. and so Ed was a big part of that. So if you look at the in, in 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 my experience with him, it was never brought up any racial bias or uh, anything of like, well, we're not going to help. We're going to help all the kids except for these kind of kids. It was just, hey, if we're giving out toys, any kid gets a toy. So I, I never saw anything along those lines. So judge a fruit by its tree, but that's only the part of him that I know. I don't spend every day with Ed. Uh, I don't know everything about his life. I know the parts that I know. Mm-hmm. So the parts that I've observed have been very good fruit on the tree. Now, the, the Seattle Times article alleges two things, racial bias and a misuse of uh, being able to call out officers uh, to, police, to respond. Po- police power, yeah. Police power. He so those bill- are the two things that they alleged. Yeah. And so let's just take these. Uh, and see if there's a logical conclusion there. Is it possible that he did those things? Of course. So it'd be ignorant for me to stand here and go, it's impossible that he's biased or it's impossible that he didn't abuse his, his station in, in the police force. So I'm not going to say that. So let's look at the evidence that we have right now. Is it plausible that you're in your neighborhood at two 30 in the morning 
you're uh, in the police force and you see a car pulling in and out of driveways up and down the block. And maybe there's been, I don't know this for a fact, but it's been told to me, there's been some, some petty theft in the neighborhood uh, or around the area. And so is it plausible to think I'm going to go down there and investigate that? I'm going to get in my car because I see something that seems suspicious. Does that seem suspicious at 2.30 in the morning? Yeah, it does. If you hadn't seen that before, a car just going up and down the street, going into different driveways, that's suspicious on its face. When he leaves his house, is it possible for Ed to know the race, gender, age, uh, ethnicity of the driver of that car or how many people are in the car? No, it's the middle of the night. It's dark. So you get in your car and you go down there to investigate. Um, that part does not seem it's even plausible to be racially motivated one way or the other. You just see something that you think seems suspicious. Then you're going to go out there and investigate. We've all heard a strange noise around our house and some people go outside. Some people don't. I've, I've had that happen where I heard a guy stealing my something off my porch and I chased him down, which was dumb on my part, but I followed. I did what Ed did. I heard a noise. I responded. I went outside to investigate, uh, even though it probably wasn't the wisest thing to do for me. Once the altercation happens now, can you be critical of Ed's behavior? I think there's a lane to be critical of it. Again, I'm not an expert on police procedure or how this interact, what he's required to divulge or how he's required to interact with someone that he deems doing something suspicious. But if he didn't identify himself and he didn't present himself as an officer, which he is, then I think we can be critical of that. Again, does that mean he's racist or it's racially motivated? Not necessarily. It means maybe he didn't follow the procedure. Again, I don't know. I don't know if he did or he didn't. It seems like on its face that you should identify yourself as an officer. Um, did, did he feel threatened? Was there something said to him threatening? Ed says there was. The paper person says that there wasn't. So there we have a, a two different stories. Except on the nine one one call, we don't we don't hear we don't hear the guy. We hear Ed say, uh, "I see what you're saying." Sure. Ed saying that I feel threatened. Okay. Ed saying that that someone threatened me. Could that have happened? Yeah. Is it plausible if I'm delivering the paper and some person that I think is just a random guy drives up in an unmarked car and is questioning me or blocking my vehicle in? Might I have words for that guy? Yeah. That could be plausible, you know, and, and would you fault that person? I, if you threatened to kill someone, yeah. But if you said, hey, dude, get out of the way. Like, who do you who do you think you are? Well, you don't own this street. Like, there could be many things you could say that are with, with without someone identifying themselves that, that would be plausible and reasonable to me. So my, with the information I know right now, can I say definitively there's something racial there? I cannot. I can't. I listened to the whole call. Um, the one thing that stuck out to me is Ed described the guy's vehicle as like a homeless truck. Like that maybe could be derogatory and not, not racially, but against homeless people, you know? So that I heard that on there. Second issue is, is this an abuse of your station in the police? Here's where it gets a little more murky for me. Because 
I listened to that call. And then there's a second call in the Seattle Times between the dispatcher and an officer trying to write a report. And again, I'm not an expert in police procedures, so I'm just going about on this call that I heard. According to that dispatch officer, she said that Ed used a phrase that compelled her to basically call all cars. And that phrase was, officer needs help. And so she's explaining, this is not an interview, this is a, a recorded conversation between dispatch and an officer writing a report. So according to this, in the dispatch officer, the dispatch person is, is a woman and the officer is a male. According to her, she's saying, I'm trying to ask questions of Ed Troyer to ascertain the level of response. But if, he, and I'm asking, and he did not answer all my questions. That's her position. So when he says officer needs help, I have to put out an all points bulletin to every agency that they represent, which I believe if memory serves me right, was 19 agencies. Yeah. So he said, that's a everybody come call. Officer needs help is everybody come. 42 people, 42 officers responded to this call. And she, as she's going through this explanation with the officer on the line, she's like, had he accurately answered my questions, I would have deemed this a prowler to call, which is not officer needs help. That then is, hey, whoever's closest to this deal on duty, go to the call. So you would have had one, maybe two officers, which Ed asked for in the call. Ed asked for a couple officers, but he also evidently said officer needs help. So she says, the dispatcher says that she was disappointed in this uh, and that it was inappropriate, I believe is the word she said. Uh, and she also said there was a, the other incident that you mentioned. If you read between the lines of what she's saying, she's saying that Ed was loose with the call. And then the officer's asking her, how do I write this report? Because I don't want to put his personal home address and I don't want to put his personal phone number in the report. And so they have an exchange for a while on that call about that. Um, is it reasonable for the, for the, you know, a person of Ed's standing in the department to have his information redacted? I don't know. I don't know the procedure on that. I don't know if you're allowed to out of hand to do that, or if you're supposed to give your actual address and then they redact it later. I don't know how that works. So is it plausible or possible that he, um, for lack of a better word, was a big shot? Sure. It's possible. I don't know what, you know, again, I don't know the fact that 42 people responded to a call that then he retracted his statement about life threatening threat. Um, it's sticky. It's sticky. So if you, if you held a, if you, I was going to say held a gun to my head. That's a, a bad phrase right now. That is a bad. So I'm phrase. not going to say that, that phrase. That is a bad phrase. If right you now. forced me, if you compelled me to answer both of those questions. Yeah. Um, do I think that, that Ed has a racial bias? I have not seen that. I've seen the opposite. I've seen him go out of his way to help all different types of people. That's my experience. Yeah. And the kids that he's fostered, he, he, he has a grandchild that's African American. His wife, I believe is Pacific Islander. Uh, it was important to him that the new PIO in Pierce County is African American. He helps select 
In fact, he selected his PIO and he wanted his PIO right, to so be there's, there's to, a body of to, evidence to be a, to be a, to, to, to be a black human. And, right. and that's who's the PIO of Pierce County. Right. So there's a body of evidence that would support him not being racist. Um, could he be biased? Of course I'm biased. Everybody's biased. And at two 30 in the morning, maybe your bias has become more pronounced. Like that's, that's not unreasonable. So I would say I have not seen a lot of behavior out of him that would lead me to believe that he is a racist. So I, I, I would say a hard no on that. Uh, biased maybe, but, but is he racist? No. Did he overstep a little bit in, in feeling like he could get officers out there to help him uh, two blocks from his house. That one seems like, yeah, that could have happened. Um, and again, if I was in his shoes, I might've done the same thing saying like, this is where I live. I'm feeling some level of threat or suspicion. Um, I have access to these resources. I'm going to use them. Um, that may, I'm not the one to deem whether that's appropriate or not though. Yeah. So what should happen go and, and, and I think you did a beautiful job, uh, explaining that, uh, where do you think, where do you think this should go from here? And, and would you, would you call for his resignation at some point, even though, and, and, and I had a very close black friend call me last night and say, you would never call for his resignation, would you? And I said, yeah, I would. In fact, I'm going to talk about it tomorrow on the podcast. It doesn't mean I would love him any less. It doesn't mean I wouldn't care about him. Uh, it doesn't mean that I would, uh, not be his friend. Uh, but I would call for his resignation if, if, if it demanded that. If, if there is a clear policy that he violated in terms of that, of saying officer needs help and, uh, uh, experts in this, cause I, I don't know the training he's gone through. I don't know the rules and regs. And it's different from department it's to department. So it's like not, it's, if, if George Floyd taught us anything, Policing right. is not uniform. There's no uniformity across across. So the this US. dispatch agent could be on a, a, a witness stand somewhere and say, I was doing X, Y, and Z according to the manual, and he was not complying with my request for questions. If that is the line, and where she's saying he did not give me enough information to be able to prioritize this as a Prowler 2 call, and, and he wouldn't, like if she can prove that, and he obviously would know the tr the training because he's the the chief. So uh, then, th if that's the case, then I think there's. I don't know if you you lose your job over it, lose thirty years of service over it, but there could be some sort of reprimand for that. Um, again, racial bias charge. I don't know how he could have known the race of that person driving the car. Mm -hmm. I just don't. Yeah. Once he discovered that it's a person of color, did his behavior change in some way that you can demonstrate? Again, if an expert can show that, then I would be very disappointed and, and, and I would make a, a, a determination at that point. I, I, I've been into, again, I'll, this is a totally apples and oranges things in one way, but when I heard the guy stealing something from my house and I, by the time when I went out there, I had no idea what his race was. Um, a guy, guy stole, stole my, cool, he stole, stole my cooler full of beer. Yeah. yeah. And so I, in a, just a sort of a rage or a blind uh, thing, I went, no, I wasn't raging, but just like, I want to get my cooler back. I chased him down. I did not know his race in, up until the point that I confronted him across the street with my cooler. And so at that point, had I gone, Oh, you're filling the blank. And I start throwing expletives or racial epithets at the guy 
you know, which I didn't. Uh, I don't even remember the guy's race. I just got the cooler back and I actually gave him two beers. That, that's how you can show racial bias. But just investigating that, I don't see a lane that says racial bias. Yeah, and we're going to stand in the middle on this because we're, we're not here to cover for another white guy. We're, just, we're not. At the same time, I'm not here to call for another white guy's um, job when over the last decade and a half, I know him to be an extraordinary, just an extraordinary kind human. And there's so many things that he has done that I don't have time to go into. And I don't even really want to share them because then it, then it'll feel like I'm trying to put my finger on the scale and I'm not. I'm just like you and I'm listening. And, um, and I'm thinking about this young man too and about what he went through and what that was like for him and what that is like for the black community to have that happen over and over and over again and, and to talk to some of my black friends about it and go, Don, that wasn't a surprise to us. That happens to all of us all the time. So we got to listen and we got to stand in the middle because it's not a black and white world. There are fields of gray and uh, that's where I'll meet you. We'll see you on the other side of this. It's just like talking to a longtime friend. They are so fun and they were so fun to work with. When it comes to your real estate journey, you need an expert team and a playbook. The Ron and Don Playbook. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit down. I think the expertise provided by Ron and Don is really something I haven't seen before. I've bought probably a half a dozen properties over my lifetime. So I was just so impressed at how all in they were from the very beginning. They knew what we were going to need to do in order to get the house that I wanted. And they were absolutely committed to making that happen for me. So responsive. And I would hear from them if they needed something from me immediately. If I called them, they would answer. They were super responsive. Uh, Dawn was a bit of a magician, being that like there was things that nobody knew the answers to. It was remarkable. And I would get the call. Hey, I was able to get the plans, the plans that if we don't get, we don't buy this house. And I get the call and there's four boxes of plans. It was amazing. The sale price was 55K over ask. And that just blew us away. We were absolutely ecstatic. Thanks to their skill to negotiate, we are so grateful and so happy and so pleased. They were a thousand percent instrumental in making this deal happen and making sure we closed on time and that I was able to get into my dream condo. I'm just absolutely thrilled. I mean, I knew that this was going to be hard to find and we did it so quickly and got just the perfect house in exactly where I needed it to be at a price that I feel really good about. So I could not be happier with my experience. I really felt like I could trust them. They made some promises on some things mm -hmm. that, and they delivered on them with no questions mm -hmm. asked, you know, and they came through. I absolutely recommend Ron and Don for your real estate transactions or just a cup of coffee and a sit down. Ready to get in the game? Get your playbook and schedule your Ron and Don sit down now at ronanddonsitdown.com. Thanks for listening to The Ron and Don Show. I'm G-Force O'Neill, the real brains of this operation. Hey, Dad, can we go get a sandwich? All right, you guys, welcome back to The Ron and Don Show, episode 240. Uh, we're going to talk about pet thefts during COVID, and we're going to kick that to episode 241 because uh, that first segment went a little long. 
I, I do want to do an update because we are pretty damn happy in my house because I told you before that Seattle Public Schools, my son, I asked him a question every night. Is there anything you want to talk about? And there's all kinds of different things he wants to talk about. And a couple of weeks ago, he said, Daddy, I'm never going to be a fifth grader again. Then we found out that the governor stepped in and told Seattle Public Schools, because you guys, they weren't going back. So the governor stepped in and said, you know what? You are going back. And initially, it was April 29th. Now we find out, at least for my guy, it's going to be April 5th. Wow. And it's even right now, up. Yeah, even though they're not going to go five days, they're going to do four days. They'll do partial days at school. Uh, they're not going to have lunch and things like that. But but I am telling you, uh, we went to see his pediatrician the other day just to kind of do a check-in. By the way, he's going to be 6'1". He's going to be 6'1", and he's going to be about 205. Built like a brick house. I'm six and three quarters. Now six and a half. I and, I, and, and I stepped on a scale this morning. I was 205.2. And so it kind of bothers me that he's going to be a quarter of an inch higher than me one day. And we all know that what happens with us humans as our arch arches start to flatten, we shrink. Right. And mm-hmm. so I'm probably going to lose an inch or two. I, I always thought that I would be taller than him. He's four ten right now. He's one fifteen, So he's just built like a Mack truck. And they say, as soon as you add some testosterone in that, when he goes to middle school, boom, look out. So what did the uh, pediatrician say about these kids going back and have, I was thinking about this today. I bet, 60 to 70% of my elementary school time was dinking around with other kids. Yeah. Yeah. Like in class, out of class, on recess, at lunch. Like, you know, I got the schoolwork done, but you were constantly doing pencil fights and passing notes and, you know, running out to the to recess and like the lion's share of the time was just socializing. Yeah. And, 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 and especially. Cause, cause this is where, and we use that word pivot all the time, but it, but it's a great word. So let's use it. When, when kids are in elementary school, they're, they're, they're very attached to mom early on. And then later on, you know, eight to 10, there's an attachment towards dad. And then when you get, when you head towards middle school, you get out of fifth grade, there's an attachment towards friends. Right. And, and so like this weekend, my son and I were going to do something really cool. And he's like, daddy, my friend is having a birthday party. Can I go to a sleepover? Are you still daddy? What's that? In fifth grade? He calls me daddy. Do you hear him call me daddy? You just said it. He doesn't, he doesn't, I let him call me whatever he wants. He calls me daddy and then went around me, around his friends. It's like father. (laughs) Because you remember I used to call my dad. Once I got into high school, I called my dad Bob. I know. He'll be be calling me Donnie boy or something uh, very soon. But but anyway, I'm just, to your point, it's a great point. I I am so glad just part of going to school, and, and we know this even going to college. It, it's not about taking those core classes. It's it's really about learning that life is a negotiation. And for him, because he's an only lonely child and we live together and we have Charlie, it, it's good that he has Charlie because he has to negotiate with him. But really, it's about that negotiation that you have with your friends. So he's going to get to basically graduate fifth grade. He's going to get person. to graduate. Yeah. That's he's, awesome. He's going to get to walk the halls. I'm him. really excited for the kids out there that are seniors this year. I felt so bad for the kids that were seniors last year. They're going to get to walk the halls of their high school. Or if you're an eighth grader getting ready to go to ninth, you're king of the hill in middle school. So I, I am just thrilled to death that Seattle Public Schools is, is making this effort 
to say, hey, even though it's the end of the year, we're going to go back and make so this So what happen. do you say the, the critiques from other schools, systems around America that have already been open said, you know who the, the vectors are of COVID? It's the teachers. Yeah. I thought that the evidence would show it was the kids towards the teachers saying, no, the teachers go to the teachers' meetings or they go into their, their private break rooms and then COVID is spreading from them to the students. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting. When you go back to the flu that killed over 50 million people or maybe 100 million people, they're not sure worldwide. And think about that. In 1918, we had a third of the world's population, right? So it was probably 2.7 million people. Now we're up. Wow, 2.7 billion. And now we're up eight, nine, heading toward 10 billion. Uh, it's incredible. And, and, and so think about 50 to 100 million people dying. And you know who died? Children died. Lots and lots of kids died. I read a, I read a book about this. And it was the older people that didn't, that didn't die. And it's because when they were younger and they were kids, uh, they had been inoculated for a different type of flu that had a similar strain. And so the flu didn't kill them, but it killed a lot of kids. And that's why all of us were so worried about our kids going to school. That's I, I know for me, I wasn't worried about if something happened to me. I was worried about if something happened to him. And, and, and what's interesting here is this flu has, has killed some children, uh, but it hasn't, isn't, it, it hasn't killed kids in the masses, like we saw in 1918, it has killed a lot of older people worldwide. And I don't think we have an answer to that yet. It'll be very interesting when we look back on the science and we try to figure out how come kids were able to survive. And, and sometimes their parents and their grandparents, aunts and aunts, were not able to do so. Anyway, going back to school in Seattle, we're pretty pumped about it. We'll see you on the other side of this. Say aunt or aunt. Huh? Aunt or aunt? I say aunt. Okay. I say aunt. Oh. <laughs> With over a million plays, the Ron and Don Radio Show is the fastest-growing show in the Pacific Northwest. All right, you guys, don't forget we're licensed brokers at Windermere, and by the time you hear this, episode 240, wow, we just blew one out in Port Orchard. We just blew one out in Everett. And this week, we are coming on in three different neighborhoods and in fact we just came on right down the street i live on queen anne mountain on 12th avenue west and we brought on just an incredible listing with an incredible view if you want to check it out just go to our facebook pages or just check us out at ron and don sitdown.com and if you need help either listening or buying reach out to us we have about 13 homes that are coming on you guys and it doesn't matter where you live we can come help you world happiness did you read this article about world happiness? I did. It's interesting. They, they've been doing this for decades where they try to rank uh, world happiness. And for the past, I don't know, 10, 15 years, it's sort of been bouncing around all the Scandinavian countries and uh, Norway, Sweden, all, all that sort of stuff. And they've kind of dialed in uh, what they think is going on. And I think there's somewhere like Thailand or... There's there's a country in the in the, on an island that always ranks up near the top, there, yeah. and um, so the interesting thing to me that they sort of teased out in terms of the pandemic year is that not everybody's unhappy. 
Um, like people respond to negative news more than they respond to positive news when you're reading the paper and stuff. So like news are news organizations are bent towards giving you negative news. Um, and the other thing they said is that the countries that prioritize relationship over economics are doing much better in terms of happiness. And in, you know, places like the United States and even China, where it's just like efficiency, productivity, get back to work, like all of those things uh, that they're not as happy. So that that was interesting to me of like, how do you foster relationship? How do you build equity in those things when you're in a society that doesn't care? They want you to get back to work and they want you to be productive. Yeah, it's interesting. If I put something on Facebook that is about working, uh, people really celebrate that. If you put something on Facebook or social media channels where you're just kind of goofing off, in our culture or in the way that I was raised, it's it's a sign of weakness. And so we hear a lot now about work-life balance. And what they found in this happiness study is that there's no doubt about it worldwide that we went into a worldwide depression uh, when this happened. But in the countries that you talked about, where people move, where people have adapted a Mediterranean diet, where people have a connection to church or community or to family, especially when they live with extended families, um, when they get older, they don't just sit around and watch CNN and Fox and MSNBC and scare the out of themselves when they pick up and they read the paper every day. Uh, and they are they are very connected with each other, and they're also very connected with travel, which is really interesting because I read another article that said travel is about to get a lot more expensive, and we hope you enjoyed the time where we uh, lived around the world where you could travel relatively cheaply. So, But that's another story for another day. So it, it really is tied to movement. It really is tied to connection, and I know we get – we, we get tired of hearing these words about a work-life balance, but if you're going to have longevity and you're going to love your life. In fact, my son said this to me the other day. He goes, daddy, he goes, you know, this is after we went to the pediatrician. He goes, it's nice to know that I'm going to be big and strong someday. This is a 4'10", 115 pound kid who's built like a fire hydrant out of It's nice that uh, I'm going to be big and strong like you someday. He said, but... By the time I'm big and strong, you're probably not going to be big and strong anymore. And he said, you're probably going to have one of those walkers with the tennis balls. <laughs> and he says, those walkers with the tennis balls look ridiculous, Daddy. He goes, you know what you should do? You should get a cane because a cane is kind of cool versus the walker with tennis balls. And I said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to make a commitment to you. When I get older and I'm no longer uh, big and strong, I'm going to reach for the cane and not the walker. With the tennis ball. nice so hey you guys thanks for stopping by listen to episode 240 i hope that you're happy and and i'm starting to feel some real optimism and i hope you're feeling that too and i know that people are still fighting covid we can't forget that and i also know that there's some real economic things that have shattered a lot of your lives but at the end of the day we have each other uh and we also have this thing called a work-life balance uh that we all get to work on and embrace. So 
Anyway, thanks for giving us great lives. We hope you're having a great live. Thanks for listening to the Ron and Don Show. Hitting subscribe and sharing that with others. Don't forget, if you need us, we are here for you. Either as humans or as your realtors, just reach out to us. You can reach out to Ron, Ron directly at Ron and Don at Windermere.com or just write Ron, Ron at Windermere.com. That's Ron at Windermere.com. Keep your head up. Keep your shoulders back. We'll see you next time for episode 241. We're going to talk about all these pets that have been stolen during COVID. In fact, my pet got stolen not too long ago. All right. Did you want to take us out or you want me to do it? You're listening to the Ron and Don Show. Only! Someone likes to make fun of that. Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey, thanks for listening to the Ron and Don Show. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and find some black belt courage. Ha! I'm not kidding. <laughs>